0: May six to twelve of morning and evening daily readings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Morning and evening daily readings by Charles Spurgeon. Morning, May six. We dwell in Him. First John four thirteen. Do you want a house for your soul? Do you ask, what is the purchase? It is something less than a proud human nature will like to give. It is without money and without price. Ah, you would like to pay a respectable rent. You would love to do something to win Christ? Then you cannot have the house, for it is without price. Will you take my master's house on a lease for all eternity, with nothing to pay for it, nothing but the ground-rent of loving and serving him for ever? WILL YOU TAKE JESUS AND DWELL IN HIM? SEE, THIS HOUSE IS FURNISHED WITH ALL YOU WANT, IT IS FILLED WITH RICHES MORE THAN YOU WILL SPEND AS LONG AS YOU LIVE. HERE YOU CAN HAVE INTIMATE COMMUNICATION WITH CHRIST AND FEAST ON HIS LOVE. HERE ARE TABLES WELL STORED WITH FOOD FOR YOU TO LIVE ON FOREVER. IN IT, WHEN WEARY, YOU CAN FIND REST WITH JESUS, AND FROM IT YOU CAN LOOK OUT AND SEE HEAVEN ITSELF. WILL YOU HAVE THE HOUSE? Ah, if you are houseless, you will say, I should like to have the house, but may I have it? Yes, there is the key, the key is, come to Jesus. But, you say, I am too shabby for such a house. Never mind, there are garments inside. If you feel guilty and condemned, come, and though the house is too good for you, Christ will make you good enough for the house by and by.' HE WILL WASH YOU AND CLEANSE YOU, AND YOU WILL YET BE ABLE TO SING, WE DWELL IN HIM. BELIEVER, THRICE HAPPY ART THOU TO HAVE SUCH A DWELLING PLACE. GREATLY PRIVILEGED THOU ART, FOR THOU HAST A STRONG HABITATION IN WHICH THOU ART EVER SAFE. AND DWELLING IN HIM, THOU HAST NOT ONLY A PERFECT AND SECURE HOUSE, BUT AN EVERLASTING ONE. When this world shall have melted like a dream, our house shall live, and stand more imperishable than marble, more solid than granite, self-existent as God, for it is God Himself. We dwell in Him. Evening, May 6. All the days of my appointed time will I wait. Job 14:14. 14, 14. A little stay on earth will make heaven more heavenly. Nothing makes rest so sweet as toil, nothing renders security so pleasant as exposure to alarms. The bitter Quassia cups of earth will give a relish to the new wine which sparkles in the golden bowls of glory. Our battered armour and scarred countenances will render more illustrious our victory above, when we are welcomed to the seats of those who have overcome the world." We should not have full fellowship with Christ if we did not for a while sojourn below, for he was baptized with a baptism of suffering among men, and we must be baptized with the same if we would share his kingdom. Fellowship with Christ is so honourable that the sorest sorrow is a light price by which to procure it. Another reason for our lingering here is for the good of others. We would not wish to enter heaven till our work is done, and it may be that we are yet ordained to minister light to souls benighted in the wilderness of sin. Our prolonged stay here is doubtless for God's glory. A tried saint, like a well-cut diamond, glitters much in the king's crown. Nothing reflects so much honor on a workman as a protracted and severe trial of his work, and its triumphant endurance of the ordeal without giving way in any part. We are God's workmanship, in whom He will be glorified by our afflictions. It is for the honour of Jesus that we endure the trial of our faith with sacred joy. Let each man surrender his own longings to the glory of Jesus, and feel, if my lying in the dust would elevate my Lord by so much as an inch, let me still lie among the pots of earth. If to live on earth forever would make my Lord more glorious, it should be my heaven to be shut out of heaven. Our time is fixed and settled by eternal decree. Let us not be anxious about it, but wait with patience till the gates of pearl shall open. Morning, May 7. Great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Matthew 12:15. What a mass of hideous sickness must have thrust itself under the eye of Jesus! Yet we read not that he was disgusted, but patiently waited on every case! What a singular variety of evils must have met at his feet! What sickening ulcers and putrefying sores! Yet he was ready for every new shape of the monster evil, and was a victor over it in every form!— Let the arrow fly from what quarter it might, he quenched its fiery power. The heat of fever, or the cold of dropsy, the lethargy of palsy, or the rage of madness, the filth of leprosy, or the darkness of ophthalmia, all knew the power of his word, and fled at his command. In every corner of the field he was triumphant over evil, and received the homage of delivered captives. He came, he saw, he conquered everywhere it is even so this morning. Whatever my own case may be, the beloved physician can heal me, and whatever may be the state of others whom I may remember at this moment in prayer, I may have hope in Jesus that he will be able to heal them of their sins. My child, my friend, my dearest one, I can have hope for each, for all, when I remember the healing power of my Lord, and on my own account however severe my struggle with sins and infirmities, I may yet be of good cheer. He who on earth walked the hospitals still dispenses his grace, and works wonders among the sons of men. Let me go to him at once in right earnest. Let us praise him this morning, as I remember how he wrought his spiritual cures, which bring him most renown. It was by taking upon himself our sicknesses by his stripes we are healed. The church on earth is full of souls healed by our beloved physician, and the inhabitants of heaven itself confess that he healed them all. Come then, my soul, publish abroad the virtue of his grace, and let it be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign, which shall not be cut off. Evening, May 7. Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. John 5, eight. Like many others, the impotent man had been waiting for a wonder to be wrought, and a sign to be given. Wearily did he watch the pool, but no angel came, or came not for him. Yet thinking it to be his only chance, he waited still, and knew not that there was one near him whose word could heal him in a moment. Many are in the same plight, They are waiting for some singular emotion, remarkable impression, or celestial vision. They wait in vain and watch for naught. Even supposing that, in a few cases, remarkable signs are seen, yet these are rare, and no man has a right to look for them in his own case. No man especially who feels his impotency to avail himself of the moving of the water even if it came it is a very sad reflection that tens of thousands are now waiting in the use of means and ordinances and vows and resolutions and have so waited time out of mind in vain utterly in vain meantime these poor souls forget the present saviour who bids them look unto him and be saved he could heal them at once but they prefer to wait for an angel and a wonder to trust him is a sure way to every blessing and he is worthy of the most implicit confidence. But unbelief makes them prefer the cold porches of Bethesda to the warm bosom of his love. Oh, that the Lord may turn his eye upon the multitudes who are in this case to-night! May he forgive the slights which they put upon his divine power, and call them by that sweet constraining voice to rise from the bed of despair, and in the energy of faith take up their bed and walk." O Lord, hear our prayer for all such at this calm hour of sunset, and ere the day breaketh, may they look and live. Courteous reader, is there anything in this portion for you? Morning, May 8. He that was healed wist not who it was. John 5.13. Years are short to the happy and healthy, but thirty-eight years of disease must have dragged a very weary length along the life of the poor impotent man. When Jesus therefore healed him by a word, while he lay at the pool of Bethesda, he was delightfully sensible of a change. Even so the sinner, who has for weeks and months been paralyzed with despair, and has wearily sighed for salvation, is very conscious of the change when the Lord Jesus speaks the word of power, and gives joy and peace in believing. The evil removed is too great to be removed without our discerning it. The life imparted is too remarkable to be possessed and remain inoperative. And the change wrought is too marvellous not to be perceived. Yet the poor man was ignorant of the author of his cure. He knew not the sacredness of his person, the offices which he sustained, or the errand which brought him among men. Such ignorance of Jesus may remain in hearts which yet feel the power of his blood. We must not hastily condemn men for lack of knowledge, but where we can see the faith which saves the soul, we must believe that salvation has been bestowed. The Holy Spirit makes men penitent long before he makes them divines. And he who believes what he knows Shall soon know more clearly what he believes ignorance is however an evil, for this poor man was much tantalized by the Pharisees, and was quite unable to cope with them. It is good to be able to answer gainsayers, but we cannot do so if we know not the Lord Jesus clearly and with understanding. The cure of his ignorance, however, soon followed the cure of his infirmity, for he was visited by the Lord in the temple and after that gracious manifestation, he was found testifying that it was Jesus who had made him whole. Lord, if thou hast saved me, show me thyself, that I may declare thee to the sons of men. Evening, May 8. Acquaint now thyself with him. Job twenty-two twenty-one. If we would rightly acquaint ourselves with God and be at peace, WE MUST KNOW HIM AS HE HAS REVEALED HIMSELF, NOT ONLY IN THE UNITY OF HIS ESSENCE AND SUBSISTENCE, BUT ALSO IN THE PLURALITY OF HIS PERSONS. GOD SAID, LET US MAKE MAN IN OUR OWN IMAGE. LET NOT MAN BE CONTENT UNTIL HE KNOWS SOMETHING OF THE US FROM WHOM HIS BEING WAS DERIVED. ENDEAVOR TO KNOW THE FATHER, Bury YOUR HEAD IN HIS BOSOM IN DEEP REPENTANCE, AND CONFESS THAT YOU ARE NOT WORTHY TO BE CALLED HIS SON receive the kiss of his love. Let the ring which is the token of his eternal faithfulness be on your finger. Sit at his table, and let your heart make merry in his grace. Then press forward, and seek to know much of the Son of God, who is the brightness of his Father's glory, and yet in unspeakable condescension of grace became man for our sakes. Know him in the singular complexity of his nature, Eternal God and yet suffering finite man. Follow him as he walks the waters with the tread of deity, and as he sits upon the well in the weariness of humanity. Be not satisfied unless you know much of Jesus Christ as your friend, your brother, your husband, your all. Forget not the Holy Spirit. Endeavour to obtain a clear view of his nature and character, his attributes, and his works. Behold that Spirit of the Lord who first of all moved upon chaos and brought forth order, who now visits the chaos of your soul and creates the order of holiness. Behold him as the Lord and giver of spiritual life, the illuminator, the instructor, the comforter, and the sanctifier. Behold him as, like holy unction, he descends upon the head of Jesus, and then afterwards rests upon you, who are as the skirts of his garments." SUCH AN INTELLIGENT, SCRIPTURAL, AND EXPERIMENTAL BELIEF IN THE TRINITY IN UNITY IS YOURS IF YOU TRULY KNOW GOD, AND SUCH KNOWLEDGE BRINGS PEACE INDEED. MORNING, MAY 9 WHO HATH BLESSED US WITH ALL SPIRITUAL BLESSINGS? EPHESIANS 1, 3 ALL THE GOODNESS OF THE PAST, THE PRESENT, AND THE FUTURE, CHRIST BESTOWS UPON HIS PEOPLE, In the mysterious ages of the past, the Lord Jesus was his Father's first elect, and in his election he gave us an interest, for we were chosen in him from before the foundation of the world. He had from all eternity the prerogatives of sonship, as his Father's only begotten and well-beloved Son, and he has, in the riches of his grace, by adoption and regeneration, elevated us to sonship also so that to us he has given power to become the sons of God. The eternal covenant, based upon suretyship and confirmed by oath, is ours for our strong consolation and security. In the everlasting settlements of predestinating wisdom and omnipotent decree, the eye of the Lord Jesus was ever fixed on us, and we may rest assured that in the whole roll of destiny there is not a line which militates against the interests of his redeemed. The great betrothal of the Prince of Glory is ours, for it is to us that he is a affianced, as the sacred nuptials shall ere long declare to an assembled universe. The marvellous incarnation of the God of Heaven, with all the amazing condescension and humiliation which attended it, is ours.' The bloody sweat, the scourge, the cross are ours for ever, whatever blissful consequences flow from perfect obedience, finished atonement, resurrection, ascension, or intercession. all are ours by his own gift upon his breastplate, he is now bearing our names, and in his authoritative pleadings at the throne, he remembers our persons and pleads our cause. His dominion over principalities and powers and his absolute majesty in heaven, he employs for the benefit of them who trust in him. His high estate is as much at our service as was his condition of abasement. He who gave himself for us in the depths of woe and death doth not withdraw the grant now that he is enthroned in the highest heavens. Evening, May 9. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field, Let us see if the vine flourish. Song of Solomon seven, eleven, and 12 The church was about to engage in earnest labor, and desired her Lord's company in it. She does not say, I will go, but let us go. It is blessed working when Jesus is at our side. It is the business of God's people to be trimmers of God's vines. Like our first parents, we are put into the garden of the Lord for usefulness let us therefore go forth into the field. Observe that the church, when she is in her right mind, in all her many labors desires to enjoy communion with Christ. Some imagine that they cannot serve Christ actively, and yet have fellowship with him. They are mistaken. Doubtless it is very easy to fritter away our inward life in outward exercises, and come to complain with the spouse, They made me keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. But there is no reason why this should be the case, except for our own folly and neglect. Certain is it that a professor may do nothing, yet grow quite as lifeless in spiritual things as those who are most busy. Mary was not praised for sitting still, but for her sitting at Jesus' feet. Even so, Christians are not to be praised for neglecting duties under the pretense of having secret fellowship with Jesus. It is not sitting, but sitting at Jesus' feet which is commendable. Do not think that activity is in itself an evil. It is a great blessing and a means of grace to us. Paul called it a grace given to him to be allowed to preach, and every form of Christian service may become a personal blessing to those engaged in it. Those who have most fellowship with Christ are not recluses or hermits who have much time to spare, but indefatigable laborers who are toiling for Jesus, and who in their toil have him side by side with them, so that they are workers together with God. Let us remember then, in everything we have to do for Jesus, that we can do it and should do it in close communion with him. Morning, May 10 but now is Christ risen from the dead. First 1 Corinthians 15.20 The whole system of Christianity rests upon the fact that Christ is risen from the dead. For, if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain, ye are yet in your sins. The divinity of Christ finds its surest proof in his resurrection since he was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. It would not be unreasonable to doubt his deity if he had not risen. Moreover, Christ's sovereignty depends upon his resurrection, for to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living." Again, our justification, that choice blessing of the covenant, is linked with Christ's triumphant victory over death and the grave. For, he was declared for our offences and was raised again for our justification. Nay, more, our very regeneration is connected with his resurrection, for we are begotten again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And most certainly, our ultimate resurrection rests here. For, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. If Christ be not risen, then shall we not rise. But if he be risen, then they who are asleep in Christ have not perished, but in their flesh shall surely behold their God. Thus, the silver thread of resurrection runs through all the believer's blessings, from his regeneration onwards to his eternal glory, and binds them together. How important, then, will this glorious fact be in his estimation, and how will he rejoice that beyond a doubt it is established that, now is Christ risen from the dead? The promise is fulfilled, redemption's work is done, justice with mercies reconciled, for God has raised His Son. Evening, May ten, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John one fourteen, believer, you can bear your testimony that Christ is the only begotten of the Father, as well as the first begotten from the dead. You can say He is divine to me if He be human to all the world beside. HE HAS DONE THAT FOR ME WHICH NONE BUT A GOD COULD DO. HE HAS SUBDUED MY STUBBORN WILL, MELTED A HEART OF ADAMANT, OPENED GATES OF BRASS, AND SNAPPED BARS OF IRON. HE HATH TURNED FOR ME MY MOURNING INTO LAUGHTER, AND MY DESOLATION INTO JOY. HE HATH LED MY CAPTIVITY CAPTIVE, AND MADE MY HEART REJOICE WITH JOY UNSPEAKABLE AND FULL OF GLORY. LET OTHERS THINK AS THEY WILL OF HIM, To me he must be the only begotten of the Father, blessed be his name, and he is full of grace, ah, had he not been, I should never have been saved. He drew me when I struggled to escape from his grace, and when at last I came all trembling like a condemned culprit to his mercy seat, he said, Thy sins, which are many, are all forgiven thee, be of good cheer, and he is full of truth true have his promises been, not one has failed. I bear witness that never servant had such a master as I have, never brother such a kinsman as he has been to me, never spouse such a husband as Christ has been to my soul. Never sinner a better saviour, never mourner a better comforter than Christ hath been to my spirit. I want none beside him. In life he is my life, and in death he shall be the death of death. In poverty Christ is my riches, in sickness he makes my bed, in darkness he is my star, and in brightness he is my sun. He is the manna of the camp in the wilderness, and he shall be the new corn of the host when they come to Canaan. Jesus is to me all grace and no wrath, all truth and no falsehood, AND OF TRUTH AND GRACE HE IS FULL, INFINITELY FULL. MY SOUL, THIS NIGHT, BLESS WITH ALL THY MIGHT, THE ONLY-BEGOTTEN. MORNING, MAY 11. I AM WITH YOU ALWAY. MATTHEW 28.20 IT IS WELL THERE IS ONE WHO IS EVER THE SAME, AND WHO IS EVER WITH US. IT IS WELL THERE IS ONE STABLE ROCK AMIDST THE BILLOWS OF THE SEA OF LIFE. O my soul, set not thine affections upon rusting, moth-eaten, decaying treasures, but set thine heart upon Him who abides for ever faithful to thee. Build not thine house upon the moving quicksands of a deceitful world, but found thy hopes upon this rock, which, amid descending rain and roaring floods, shall stand immovably secure. My soul, I charge thee, lay up thy treasure in the only secure cabinet store thy jewels where thou canst never lose them. Put thine all in Christ, set all thine affections on his person, all thine hope in his merit, all thy trust in his efficacious blood, all thy joy in his presence, and so thou mayest laugh at loss and defy destruction. Remember that all the flowers in the world's garden fade by turns, and the day cometh, when nothing will be left but the black, cold earth. Death's black extinguisher must soon put out thy candle. Oh, how sweet to have sunlight when the candle is gone! The dark flood must soon roll between thee and all thou hast. Then wed thine heart to him who will never leave thee, Trust thyself with him who will go with thee through the black and surging current of death's stream, and who will land thee safely on the celestial shore, and make thee sit with him in heavenly places for ever. Go, sorrowing son of affliction, tell thy secrets to the friend who sticketh closer than a brother. Trust all thy concerns with him who never can be taken from thee, who will never leave thee, and who will never let thee leave him even Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lo, I am with you alway, is enough for my soul to live upon, let who will forsake me. Evening, May 11. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Joshua 1, 7. Our God's tender love for his servants makes him concerned for the state of their inward feelings. He desires them to be of good courage. Some esteem it a small thing for a believer to be vexed with doubts and fears, but God thinks not so. From this text it is plain that our master would not have us entangled with fears. He would have us without carefulness, without doubt, without cowardice. Our master does not think so lightly of our unbelief as we do. When we are desponding, we are subject to a grievous malady, not to be trifled with, but to be carried at once to the beloved physician. Our Lord loveth not to see our countenance sad. It was a law of Ahasuerus that no one should come into the king's court dressed in mourning. This is not the law of the king of kings, for we may come mourning as we are. But still, he would have us put off the spirit of heaviness, and put on the garment of praise, for there is much reason to rejoice." The Christian man ought to be of a courageous spirit in order that he may glorify the Lord by enduring trials in an heroic manner. If he be fearful and faint hearted, it will dishonour his God. Besides, what a bad example it is. This disease of doubtfulness and discouragement is an epidemic which soon spreads amongst the Lord's flock. One downcast believer makes twenty souls sad. Moreover, unless your courage is kept up, Satan will be too much for you. Let your spirit be joyful in God your Saviour, the joy of the Lord shall be your strength, and no fiend of hell shall make headway against you. But cowardice throws down the banner. Moreover, labour is light to a man of cheerful spirit, and success waits upon cheerfulness." The man who toils, rejoicing in his God, believing with all his heart, has success guaranteed. He who sows in hope shall reap in joy. Therefore, dear reader, be thou strong and very courageous. Morning, may twelve. And will manifest myself to him. john fourteen twenty one. The Lord Jesus gives special revelations of himself to his people. Even if Scripture did not declare this, there are many of the children of God who would testify the truth of it from their own experience. They have had manifestations of their Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ in a peculiar manner, such as no mere reading or hearing could afford. In the biographies of eminent saints you will find many instances recorded in which Jesus has been pleased, in a very special manner, to speak to their souls, and to unfold the wonders of his person. Yea, so have their souls been steeped in happiness, that they have thought themselves to be in heaven, whereas they were not there, though they were well nigh on the threshold of it. For when Jesus manifests himself to his people, it is heaven on earth, it is paradise in embryo, it is bliss begun. Especial manifestations of Christ exercise a holy influence on the believer's heart, one effect will be humility. If a man says, I have had such and such spiritual communications, I am a great man, he has never had any communion with Jesus at all, for God hath respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. He does not need to come near them to know them, and will never give them any visits of love. Another effect will be happiness, for in God's presence there are pleasures for evermore holiness will be sure to follow a man who has no holiness has never had this manifestation some men profess a great deal, but we must not believe any one unless we see that his deeds answer to what he says be not deceived, god is not mocked he will not bestow his favours upon the wicked, for while he will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he respect an evildoer. Thus there will be three effects of nearness to Jesus, humility, happiness, and holiness. May God give them to thee, Christian. Evening, May 12. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will make there of thee a great nation, I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again, Genesis 46, 3 and 4. Jacob must have shuddered at the thought of leaving the land of his father's sojourning and dwelling among heathen strangers. It was a new scene, and likely to be a trying one. Who shall venture among couriers of a foreign monarch without anxiety? Yet the way was evidently appointed for him, and therefore he resolved to go. This is frequently the position of believers now, They are called to perils and temptations altogether untried. At such seasons, let them imitate Jacob's example by offering sacrifices of prayer unto God, and seeking His direction. Let them not take a step until they have waited upon the Lord for His blessing. Then they will have Jacob's companion to be their friend and helper. How blessed to feel assured that the Lord is with us in all our ways, and condescends to go down into our humiliations and banishments with us. Even beyond the ocean our fathers love beams like the sun in its strength. We cannot hesitate to go where Jehovah promises his presence. Even the valley of death-shade grows bright with the radiance of this assurance." Marching onwards with faith in our God, believers shall have Jacob's promise. They shall be brought up again, whether it be from the troubles of life or the chambers of death. Jacob's seed came out of Egypt in due time, and so shall all the faithful pass unscathed through the tribulation of life and the terror of death. Let us exercise Jacob's confidence. Fear not, is the Lord's command and His divine encouragement to those who at His bidding are launching upon new seas. The divine presence and preservation forbids so much as one unbelieving fear. Without our God we should fear to move, but when He bids us to, it would be dangerous to tarry. Reader, go forward and fear not. End of May 6-12